one news talk station. FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT Burlington. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here joining us live in studio now. It's Dr. Sprouse Bloom, um, headache expert, I guess you could call Dr. Sprouse Bloom. And also Katie McDonald, who's been, uh, who, who has suffered through migraines. We're going to be talking about migraines and the big event that's coming up this month on migraines. And we know there's a lot of migraine sufferers out there. So if you have a question, this is about migraines. This is the time to call 888 Good morning, Dr. Sprouse Bloom. Good morning. And good morning, Katie. Thanks for being in. Good morning. Thanks for having us back. So, Katie, first tell us about the big Miles for Migraine event that's coming up this month. When is it? How does it work? Yeah, so we've got our sixth annual Miles for Migraine Burlington event coming up on September 23rd. It's going to be at Veterans Memorial Park in South Burlington. The event is free for all participants this year. So you can come out and do, we have a two-mile walk. We have a timed 5K run. And if you're not feeling up for exercise, we also offer a relax option. So for that, we just encourage you to come. Uh, we'll have some speakers in the morning. There'll be a person living with migraine sharing their experience. Uh, one of the headache specialists from the UVM Medical Center Headache Clinic will be there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Miles for Migraine and the programs that we offer. And it's just a great place to come out and meet others living with migraine and headache disease and show your support for the cause. And is it also to sort of bring more awareness about migraines? I think if you're not a migraine sufferer, you don't know just what people go through. It is. It, that's a big reason we put these events on. So Miles for Migraine is a national nonprofit organization, and we put these events on in 24 cities around the country. A big reason that we put them on is to raise awareness about migraine and headache disease and break down the stigma. You know, there are lots of walks for different disease states, including you, you just had the Alzheimer's group on uh, this week. They've got their walk coming up as well. Walks are a good way for people to um, to come together for a cause, to raise funds, to support the cause, and, and learn more about the impact of the disease. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, how are you? Um, my name is Danny, and I'm from Connecticut, and I just wanted to call in and say that if you're a stutterer like I was, I highly recommend to read the book, How to Stop Stuttering and Love Speaking, and check out W... I don't know. I don't know if that's... Stuttering. I don't, I don't think is stuttering in any way connected to migraines? About, I, 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 I uh, took him off the air. He was promoting a website. I don't think it had anything to do with our conversation. Does that is there any connection to migraines, stuttering? Not that I know of. Okay. Uh, Katie, were you did, did we get all the information out on the on the on the event? Uh, on the date, yes. Okay, so that's the twenty third of September. Coming up. Yes, so it's yes. coming up pretty quick. And the time again is it starts at eight thirty in the morning. And if you want to participate, do you need to register? Yes, you do. Go to btv.milesformigraine.org. And again, the event is free, so uh, we encourage as many people to come out as possible. And uh, let's go to Dr. Sprouse Bloom out now. Um, uh, doctor, you've had you've done some research, obviously a lot of research. Anything anything new that you found out, and any connections to migraines? We uh, we have an interest. So the word migraine um, comes from the Greek hemicrania, so half skull. And so for ever since you know migraine was recognized, it was noticed that it had this sort of one sided unilateral aspect to the headache 
of migraine. And I say headache of migraine because all the symptoms of migraine are just as much migraines, sensitivities to light, noise, smell, etc., nausea, disequilibrium, pain at the base of the skull, mid-face pain, etc. And so we got interested in, the, in this uh, concept, you know, why? Why is migraine often have headache just on one side or predominantly on one side? And we recently published a scoping review, which a scoping review is where you do a systematic look of, the, of what's been published and you have criteria in which you uh, d- uh, are able to um, include or exclude uh, studies based on if it has the criteria. And the criteria we were looking at is whether they had migraine that had headache on one side, which is the primary criterion. And so some interesting things came out of it. For example, migraine with headache on the left side was associated with worse quality of life than right migraine with headache on the right side, worse anxiety, bipolar disorder, PTSD, changes in fight-or-flight nervous system. And right migraine with right-sided headache was associated with uh, changes on cognitive testing, changes in pupils, changes in skin temperature, changes in blood uh, pressure and blood flow. But the thing is... <clears throat> Most of these findings are based on single studies, right? And that's something I don't think everybody realizes about science is that you can almost you can you can almost find a study to say anything you want it to, mm-hmm. right? It's really when you have multiple studies in different populations with different study designs saying the same thing that the wealth of evi- of evidence points you towards that's actually a phenomenon that we should believe. And so there does appear to be a bunch of differences, and we're doing studies now to help explore that further. So based on the side of the headache, yeah. there are very specific uh, criteria that through all these different studies, yeah. uh, they all say the same thing. That's interesting. Um, how, well, I guess from a, from a doctor's standpoint, somebody comes into your office and says it's, it's, uh, it's always on the left side. So you immediately can say, well, here's a list of the potential causes, or we should look at this because all this data has been collected uh, and so it, it really does narrow down uh, almost by 50% uh, kind of diagnosis, right? But that being said, if you talk to most people who have migraine, they'll say, oh, yeah, I have some attacks that affect both sides that are bilateral, but I have maybe 50% that oh, are on the no. left. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Sure. So then how do you work with, with that, right? Exactly. So the part that I'm um, particularly interested in is these differences reflect changes that are happening in our body you know uh, we're focused on the brain right and so is the uh, activities is what's going on in the brain different in people with left versus right-sided headache and migraine all right well we're going to take a quick break and uh, if you've got any questions about uh, headaches in general or migraines give us a call every day the morning drive fm 96.3 and am 620 wvmt Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. We are talking about migraines. Uh, there are. Um, <laughs> honest, I said before I said a phrase that probably is not correct. Suffers a migraine when it actually should be the more correct he, way to yeah, say it. Yes, we try to encourage people to say people living with migraine versus saying, oh, that person's a migraine sufferer. Uh, it's okay if you live with migraine and you decide to say, I suffer from migraine, that's okay, but you don't want to impart suffering on somebody else. There you go, which I did. Uh, but <laughs> Katie, can you tell us also with the big event coming up, uh, the Miles for Migraine event, uh, where do the, the funds that are raised, where does that go? Yeah, I think this is really interesting. I Just to take a step back, I mentioned we do these events in 24 cities around the country, and 
the way we select the cities that we go to is we go to cities that have headache fellowship programs. So that is specialty training for doctors looking to get into the field of headache medicine. And migraine is is the least funded among the most burdensome diseases as defined by the National Institutes of Health. And so Miles for Migraine decided that one of the ways we were going to make a difference is we were going to raise money and the money we raised was going to go to these different fellowship programs as a way to support research since there's not enough funding coming from NIH. Dr. Sprassbloom was talking about the study that they're doing. You know, part of looking at other studies is there's just not a lot of studies about migraine. We don't fully understand the disease yet. So the short answer to your question is any funds that are raised at this Burlington event through donations and fundraising are, are um, granted to the UVM Medical Center's headache clinic and support research like the project that uh, Dr. Sprouse Bloom was just talking about. Would it be fair to say that uh, you would support more funding from our federal government, state government in regard to migraine? We spent a lot on other which is important on other ones as well, uh, but that maybe we don't on, on this one enough? We absolutely don't spend enough on migraine, especially when you look at the impact the disease has from the disease burden, how much it impacts somebody's quality of life, uh, and the number of people who live with the disease. And I would say I would not argue that we should take funding away from any other right. disease state, but we kind of need to ra- raise the levels for everyone. And it's shown, you know, when we look at... Um, AIDS and we look at breast cancer, those are diseases that are, of course, they can use more funding, but they're very well funded and it's made a huge difference in terms of the treatments that are available. And we're looking to get there with migraine disease as well. Katie, we know that there's a stigma to Alzheimer's, dementia. Why is there a stigma with migraines? Uh, That's a very interesting question and it's kind of the root of a lot of the the issues that we deal with around people. Um, Stigma is when people have a negative perception uh, of of, of a term or a disease or a state. Um, And, you know, one of the reasons we think there's a lot of stigma around migraine is that it's thought to be a women's disease, which is not true. Men live with migraine as well. Um, but going way back, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was kind of this perception of the hysterical housewife who didn't want to do her work. And so she, you know, feigned a headache and, uh, and people came to think that that was migraine. Um, I think there's also just because of the lack of understanding of what migraine is, people, when you say migraine, the majority of people say, oh, you've got a bad headache. I'm sorry to hear that. But that is not, headache is one of the symptoms of migraine, and you can actually have a migraine without even having head pain. Um, So there's a big misunderstanding about what the disease is and and how it presents. I don't know if Dr. Sprouse Bloom has anything to add in terms of stigma. No, I I, I, think. He said it well. Talk a little bit about some of the other symptoms other than the headaches, because I think a lot of people think, okay, well, you're having a migraine. And I have friends that, that, they get physically sick and other things but what are some of the other uh, things that wind up being diagnosed as migraine but are not headaches yeah so some of the other symptoms of migraine can include it's a lot of uh, I describe it as as my whole brain being kind of turned up to volume 12 Uh, you know lights are super bright even when they're not sounds are much louder than are perceived to be much louder smells 
Um, you can get nausea. You can have digestive issues, vomiting. Um, for me, I deal with a lot of just all over body pain and fatigue. You know, it's like I feel like I can't lift my arms up. They're just so heavy or it's hard to walk. Um, so it's, you know, there's also cognitive issues. You get the brain fog and the challenges with concentrating. I can, you know, read a sentence four times and still be like, wait, what, what are they trying to say? Uh, and that's kind of when I know, you know. It can be totally debilitating. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Sprouse Bloom, um, what about, I understand, is this true that there have been, there can be links to, if you have migraines, I don't know if this is only if it's chronic migraine, that there could be a link to or a higher risk of uh, dementia with if you have migraines on a chronic basis or uh, also risk of stroke. Is that true? So dementia, I don't think that is true. There's these little white matter lesions that show up in the brain, and those little white matter lesions um, are not symptomatic and don't cause problems and have not been linked to dementia. And so, but they can be a source of concern for patients to go, well, what are those things, you know? Um, and uh, we don't really know, but they can be caused by other conditions um, that affect the cardiovascular system, interestingly, including things like high blood pressure and diabetes and high cholesterol and cigarette smoking and stuff like that. So there might be some, at the um, you know fine level, there might be some overlap and what causes them, but they haven't been linked with dementia. As it relates to stroke, yes. <clears throat> in particular, migraine with aura. So aura is a neurological phenomena that, um, that comes and goes and goes away completely. And it's, uh, it, it's similar across time, so it has to, happen to have happened at least two times. It's most commonly a visual disturbance. A lot of people describe flashes of light or dots. Um, and they might move or a zigzag shape or maybe a colorful orbs. I've, I've heard all kinds of, it's, it's kind of beautiful to hear the different descriptions that people experience um, as, as they tell me. And I've had patients draw it. But there's other auras that people are less familiar with when we talked about stuttering earlier. So not stuttering per se, but actually a, um, people can have speech and language problems where they can't get their words out or they might flip words or they can't quite understand the way that they normally would. Um, there, there's also tingling and numbness, a sensory aura, or motor weakness. And so these things have to have happened twice. When they happen once, you don't know if it might be something else. But, um, but yeah, stroke risk is increased among, I should finish that part. If you have migraine aura, which a third of people with migraine do, your risk of stroke is increased, but it's only detectable in women and only up until the age of 45. Um, so if you have that, you should avoid other things that increase stroke risk, including cigarette smoking and estrogen containing contraceptives. Um, what are if somebody comes to you, Dr. Sprouse Bloom, and they come to you to be treated for migraines? What's the first thing that you recommend for someone? I mean, I guess it depends on whether it's it's chronic or they may maybe they don't know. So I'd say people have different approaches to this. I'm trying to get my thoughts together on, on how to address it. So one thing to think about is that you know. Um, it's kind of titrated based on your frequency and severity of symptoms. So if you uh, have one migraine a year, then the focus would probably be on acute treatment, right? There's no need to be on a daily medicine to prevent a once a year phenomena. Um, but if you have, you know, six days of headache uh, per month with three that are severe, then you might go, well, maybe it is worth being on it. You know, and then you got to kind of weigh the risks and benefits of the different drugs. And so, um, 
acute treatment is what all per, all people with migraine deserve, and prevention is kind of you got to weigh those different factors. There's other things you might be thinking about, like you know, um, uh, changes to your diet, changes to your sleep patterns, changes to other aspects of your life, stress levels, etc. And so those are all also considerations that are important. And, there's been a lot of change too. If you're somebody who you know maybe was diagnosed with migraine 10, 15 years ago, and just nothing worked for you, I would encourage you to mm-hmm. um, kind of open up the the channels of communication with your providers again. Because up until 2018, pretty much everything that we used for treating migraine was a drug that was developed for a different disease state and kind of found to work for migraine. And now we've hit as of 2018 this new class of medications, um, and there's so much more coming that are specifically designed to treat migraine. And that's really exciting in and of itself. Well, it seems like, yeah. And have you experienced that yourself as as the new treatments come out? Have you seen um, it working better for you? Unfortunately, not for me, but I'm not a good good example. I think I have heard a lot of stories of people who have had life-changing situations since these new medications have come out, you know, people who are very debilitated and all of a sudden have their life back and are, you know, back to working full-time and having energy and, you know, everybody's different and I think you just have to be willing to give it a shot and just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it wouldn't work for somebody else. Gotcha. Well, we've got time for another quick call. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on The Morning Drive. Good morning. Uh, could you summarize the history of this uh, diagnosis? Was it like 100 years ago where they just called people hysterical, you know, and they actually had a migraine, uh, something like that? Hmm. I actually, in, in the review, I actually had to I had to talk about. So I want to say that the, the, hemi, the word... Hemicrania would have been thousands of years ago. Uh, we're talking, uh, it was a Greek word, and it was, uh, no, I can't. I can't summarize it. No, <laughs> no. There's no, actually, no, yeah. there's a great book by Dr. Joanna Kempner. It's called Not Tonight, uh, and it's about the history of migraine and headache disease, and I would recommend checking that out uh, for a little more. She's, she's, uh, she has the whole history down. I just, I can't remember it. Are Botox treatments, is that still uh, a significant uh, treatment for people with migraines? Yeah, so uh, onobotulinum toxin A is like uh, has been FDA approved for what's called chronic migraines. You have migraine and you have some amount of symptoms at least half, 15 days per month or more. And so it's done every uh, three months and it's a good, effective treatment for chronic migraine. Dr. Sprouse Bloom, what about... Um I'm just thinking back when I first went to, to see you. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, my first thing was, I don't know. And I'm just curious if you get many people that feel like this, like I worried, maybe I have a brain tumor. Is that an, is that a normal thing when people have these horrible headaches that are migraines to, 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 to fear the worst? Like, what if I have that is migraines are, you don't want to have a, a brain tumor. And, and I'm, I remember that's what I started thinking. Like, maybe I need to go have an MRI. Maybe I have a, you know, a tumor. Yeah, so when people have, and I've had patients, I think, say this to me, but my head, my pain is so bad, it can't be migraine. And, you know, migraine is disabling. And people that don't get it, don't get it. Like, they don't understand. 
Um, it's not just a headache. It's not something you can just push. You can just muscle through. Oftentimes, I mean, there's there's degrees, right? There's some attacks that are that are not as severe and that people do work through, you know. And then they have um, what's that word? Um, uh, where you're at work but you're less effective. Oh, presenteeism. presenteeism. So you show up for work but you're just not, you know, you're not all there. Oh, I know a bunch of people like that. Yeah, and so those people they don't want to talk about it, right? They don't they don't want to because they don't want people to stigmatize them. They don't want to go, "Oh yeah, you, you know, another and so, um, where were we talking about again? So, <laughs> oh, the brain tumor. Yeah. Brain tumors, yeah, yeah. Right. Do a lot of people come in and, and, and they don't know yet what they have. And they So severe headache, I guess the take-home was what I was getting at, is that the, 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 the fact that you have a severe headache does not mean that you have a brain tumor. And so, when we decide, so people think about labs and imaging as, oh, I just, just take a look-see. But there's a risk to, to taking a look-see because there's, there's a certain frequency of incidental findings that will require additional investigations, some of which can be dangerous. And lead you down bad paths, and so you do have to be um, judicious about when you order labs and imaging. And there's, um, like other conditions, there's what's called red flags for headache disorders. Things like a significant change in an otherwise stable pattern, new development of headache in a person that was previously not a headache person, for example. Those kinds of things. So that can, you know, the fact that speaking about imaging and testing, migraine is not a disease that is diagnosed with a with a lab test or imaging and i think that's another mis misperception like oh well have you had an mri uh i remember being out going out on disability and the disability insurance company called and they're like well when when was your last mri and it's like that doesn't matter because you don't diagnose migraine by mri and katie we're just about out of time but does does weather impact you with migraines not specifically but that is a very common um trigger for people What's the what's the what type of weather that that usually impacts people? I think barometric pressure changes, and and uh, I was actually talking to to a provider the other day who was saying in Vermont here just the really rainy summer, and then all the smoke from Canada that she'd seen an increase in people reporting kind of increased symptoms with those things. And Dr. Sprossbloom, you actually got some them to actually put out weather reports saying this is migraine type. I, I didn't do it, but yeah, there is. Oh, a I was web- giving you credit for it. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there are websites where you, it's like a migraine barometer. Okay. <laughs> um, Katie, give us the details one more time for the. Yes, yeah, September 23rd, uh, 8.30 a.m., Veterans Memorial Park, Miles for Migraine Burlington. You can register at btv.milesformigraine.org. We hope to see you there. And so people that have suffered from migraines for years that may have just said, well, this there's just no hope for me. The takeaway for me today is in the last five years, you've had some significant advances. So this would be a good event for them to just go to and talk to people. Exactly. Talk to, we'll have sponsors there who can talk to you about not just medications, but there's devices and all kinds of things. So a lot of changes in the people. last five years. Don't Absolutely. don't just think it's uh, you're stuck with what you got. That's and right. Katie, thanks Beautiful. for uh, for uh, highlighting this and the work that you're doing on this. And thank you, Dr. Sprouse Bloom, for all you do as re- in regards to this as well, because you know, it's a serious issue for thousands thousands millions. of people in Vermont and millions of people across the world. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you.